This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. This is all about those weird little jokes. <laughs> Alright, I am recording again. Okay. You having a fucking beer? You do it all the time on the show. Not on camera. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam, here for another podcast that just talks about movies. Today we are coming to you live from the wild, wild west, but not the Will Smith one. Uh, no. There's no giant spiders here. Uh, and our, we are sponsored brought by Lucas. Frau Blucher. Frau Blucher. Liam, who are we sponsored by? Frau Blucher. Frau Blucher. <laughs> Uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, the great uh, old, 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 old man now. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say late and great, but he's not dead. Not he's alive. Quite, he's yes. in his 90s. Yeah, I believe he's, he's 93. Yeah, 93? last I looked, he was 93 years old. We're talking about Mel Brooks today. Uh, yeah, who, Mel Brooks. As Liam would probably put it, no, I'm not going to even let that joke happen. If, <laughs> if you, if you want to kick it back to, like, old Spielberg joke from a way long time ago. <laughs> uh, back before we got our shit together. Yeah, this is this is probably a good comparison. Um, yeah. uh, today we were talking, like I said, we were talking about Mel Brooks, and we're going to talk about uh, his films, uh, his filmography, and some of the other things that he's done in his career. Uh, but first, as per usual, the ingestion. Uh, today, let's not do odds and evens. I'm just going to throw it. Let's let Liam do it first. How about that? All right. What? Okay, why is it always me first? All right, Lucas, go ahead. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll go first. Well, I've, I've continued to watch Daria. Uh, I can't remember what season I'm on because the discs that, that Liam gave me are kind of like, it's like like the first disc is, disc is season one, second disc is season one and two, then it's yeah, like two it's and three. Yeah, it's a little awkward. Yeah, so I'm not sure what season I'm on. What disc are you on? <laughs> I'm on disc like three or four. Okay, that would I'll, probably be around it. seasons three or four. Yeah, it's something like that. But I'm 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 enjoying it. I, it's 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 a show. I I don't really like binging it too much because the animation is very cheap. Like yeah. I said yeah. last time. <laughs> so like it's it's not like it's bad. It's just they couldn't really afford a whole lot. So sometimes I have to take a break. But it, it's mean, it it's, was... a, it's a fun show. It's very funny. Sorry, Lee. Uh, I mean, they did the smart thing of they knew they didn't have like uh, the higher end animation, so they made most of it dialogue heavy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a very dialogue heavy show, and I'm enjoying that. Uh, I also watched uh, the final season of Shira and the Princesses of Power. Nice. I've heard that's decent, actually. It's it's very good. We've talked like, about it on the show one, before. Yeah, like seasons one and two were like, oh, that's that's pretty good. And then uh, three, four, and five are 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 very very good TV. It's very gay. I, I mean that in the most loving way possible. I can't believe yeah, it's been... five seasons. I thought it was only like I thought it came out like two years ago. Yeah, they do two seasons a year. Oh, okay. you know, I've been told it's a very, very left-leaning cartoon. <laughs> it's definitely very gay. Um, but uh, what else? Uh, it's it's very, very good. Ends on a very nice note. Uh, and also, I watched uh, season two of Nightfall, which oh, is yeah. uh, I think I watched season one a while ba- while back. Talked about it in the show uh it is refresh me uh it's a show about uh the fall of the templar order in the 1300s yes right uh and it is trash but it is my trash (laughs) (laughs) it's like what you and i were talking about a little bit off a little while ago off the show where we were talking about our trash 
Yeah, exactly. Nightfall like, is my trash. It's not oh. very good, but like it's it's all night night like uh knights and and like royalty and courtly intrigue and sword fights. Uh the second to last episode because it got canceled after after season 2 uh is is almost completely torture. Like it's almost the entire episode is literal torture. Like all the main <laughs> characters are getting tortured. Oh god. And it uh. it is hard to watch. <laughs> How do you compare it to your uh, other trash like Dragon like Dragonheart or National Treasure? It's up there with Dragonheart for me. Dragonheart's a little more because Sean Connery plays a dragon. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh it's it's a lot of fun if if uh it's it's not historically accurate at all. <laughs> like uh, there's so many reasons why it's not, but it's a lot of fun um what else i read a couple books i read uh, a couple more books in the temeraire series which is the one um where uh it's it's the napoleonic wars but mm -hmm. if dragons existed right yes uh i read i read book two and three and i'm in the middle of book four uh and i'm having a lot of fun with that um uh, there's there's a lot of other stuff but i want to give you guys a chance to talk to <laughs> thanks um yeah so just so everybody at home knows we did take a little bit of a break because i was having an existential crisis so i uh, <laughs> No need to get into it. I'm sure there will be a uh, expose yourself episode about it at some point, or not, because I'm shy. Uh, but uh, I'll take I'll take the reins here, Liam. We'll let you go last because you bitched. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I uh, I have also read uh, slash seen a few things as well as the ingestion um, implies. Uh, I watched the Amazon original show. Um, uh, called Upload, um, which is a uh, pretty much a ripoff of The Good Place. I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that now because I really did not like how it ended uh, the first mm. season. I really, I, it did not do it. It did not tickle my bone at all. Like, The Good Place is, is a little bit more fantasy-based in, in its, mm -hmm. like, you know, presentation and the things that, the, the how things occur in the show. Well, Upload is more of a sci-fi based um, show because in The Good Place, they die and go to The Good Place, right? I mean, mm -hmm. for those of you that haven't seen it, that's not a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in Upload, when you die, you get uploaded to a computer program. So you, you it's kind of like you, you live your life out in this computer. Um, Sounds kind of like in Futurama when you retire. Yeah, it's almost exactly like that. Uh, and it's got uh, Robbie Amell in it, um, so The Flash. Uh, he's, he's not, not the Flash. The, he's in The Flash. Yep, he was on The Flash, but he is not The Flash. Right, so The Flash is in it. Uh, and, um, yeah, it just kind of, <laughs> like I said, it doesn't really, it, the writing is really lazy. Um, mm. So it's it's uh, created by, uh, or I assume co-created, I'm not entirely sure about the details, but uh, Greg Daniels, the guy who co-created The American Office, uh, co-created uh, King of the Hill, um, is currently working on the, the Netflix original Space Force. Um, so he's got a lot of stuff under his belt, but he needs to stick to low concept things, like The Office mm. and like King of the Hill. Very blue collar, low concept. Like almost kind of mm. suburban-y. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Upload is a very high concept show, and the writing is not to caliber. When in the Good Place, the writing is because directed or created by Michael Schur, who worked with uh, Greg Daniels on Parks and Rec, um, mm -hmm. on The Office, because he played Moe's on The Office, um, yeah. Yeah, a few other things, and it just it honestly does feel like Greg Daniels was like, well, he made a 
good show. I want to I'm going to take that. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> it just kind of it just felt I know it probably wasn't the intention, but it does kind of feel petty in a way. Mm. Like it feels like he was stealing a lot of the ideas and the and whatnot. But maybe I don't it know. was more like he was just trying to keep up with him. Yeah, well, kind of. That's kind of what it seems like. We talked to John Tasker, friend of the show, about it, and he, um, I, I, I think Liam Heath mentioned that he, he liked it, right, and that he liked a lot of the story point points and stuff like that, which I don't necessarily agree with because it didn't feel like any of the characters really gained anything, or, or I mean, or learned we also, anything. we also have very different opinions uh, than John does on what good writing is. So yeah, John Tasker, friend of the show, definitely uh, has has different ways of of looking at it at, and perceiving. A little right. more. I mean, we all a do, little more. But. I mean, a little. He's let's just say he's a little more easy to please than we are. Yeah, um, John Tasker, <laughs> friend of the show. If you are watching this, please do not listen to Liam. I know you're probably going to be mad. At him. Um, I mean, he agreed with us on Rise of Skywalker, so that was good. That's true. All right, <laughs> he is redeemed. Um, yeah. yeah, it just—I understand it's a first season, uh, but you still need to have some character development, right? Like when you look back mm-hmm. at, at shows that Greg Daniels has touched and has been a part of, the first season is usually kind of weak. You know, like mm-hmm. the first season of The Office is kind of weak in the in the grand scheme of things. The second yeah. season of The Office is fantastic. The second mm-hmm. season of Parks and Rec is phenomenal, right? Um, yeah, I still haven't seen Parks and Rec because I I found the first season so hard to get through. Yeah, and and I don't blame you. So don't watch Upload because <laughs> you're probably not gonna like it very much. Because it, I don't know, like I said, just kind of lazy. But then mm. I watched a different Amazon uh, show, and that is called Forever, starring Maya Rudolph and uh, Fred Armisen. Um, also, oh, nice. also about death. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because I really I think you both will really like it because the writing is I, I will watch anything Maya Rudolph is in. She's she, the funniest human being alive. Here's the thing, <laughs> it she's not really flexing her her comedic muscles. She's doing oh, a lot more like like heavy lifting in the show. Like she's still very, very funny. Uh, yeah. um but she's um and it's also got that Catherine Kinnears in it as well. Um she's really been doing a lot more these days because for a while she wasn't really uh, I mean, at least not really anywhere of note, but like ever since like I saw her in Get Out, she's kind of just been appearing in more and more things as of yeah, late. Yeah, she, she's she's really well. This show came out in 2018. Uh, it only ran for one season, and got canceled. But that one season is so good. <laughs> it's it it. I feel like it's gonna be a cult show for sure. Like people are really gonna really latch onto it. Um, it's gonna be one of those like, yeah, we haven't seen this yet, and then they're gonna watch it and be like, holy shit, that was awesome. Because like I said, the 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 writing is so good and the performances are are really really awesome too. But it is it's not about death. Death is a death is just a plot device that they use to really tell you a story about marriage, and marital struggle, and 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 different views of relationships and like how. You know, somebody who's like seventeen will will view a relationship versus somebody who's been in a in a marriage for ten plus years. You know, it's uh, it's very yeah. interesting the way that they they approach um uh, marital um uh, beliefs and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I really 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 enjoyed that, and I just thought it was it yeah at the eighth episode of that show. There's no, there's only eight episodes. The sixth episode, I believe. Yeah, the sixth episode is is so fucking good <laughs> it is one of the one of the prime examples of why streaming television is such a viable way of watching and consuming media because mm-hmm. it it's such it's a tangential episode that really has nothing to do with the story the, of the mainline story at all um and tells a, a story between a interracial a couple committing adultery but they're just like so badly in love with each other 
and ah, I don't want to say anything else because it's so good. Um, and before before we move on to Liam, I want to mention one thing that I forgot to mention about Nightfall. Mark Hamill is in season two. Fuck off. Really? really? I, yeah. heard, I heard that too. Yeah, dogs. <laughs> dogs going crazy. But Mark Hamill plays this crotchety old uh, medieval equivalent of a drill sergeant. And he's great. You get to hear him swear. You get to see, hear Luke Skywalker Weird. say fuck. Cool. That sounds like the kind of role Mark Hamill would eat up. Yeah, he, he was great. Like he was, And he was doing like uh, this old man Joker voice sort of thing. He's like, you gotta climb that fucking tower. And shit right. like that. It's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Did, when he showed up yeah, on screen, that. did it go, hey kids, it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> no, he's wearing all this makeup, so like, he, so like his face is like this the whole time. Yeah. It's it's so I funny. Mean, Mark Hamill, ever since uh, Star Wars got bought by Disney, uh, has uh, was it has started to move back into doing live action roles. Mm-hmm. Like he's even on the Flash play. Re, uh, was it reprising his role that he did in the nineties Flash show? The trickster, nice. right? <laughs> yeah, the trickster. He before he was casted as the Joker, he was on the live action uh, Flash TV show. And then when they did the new one for the CW, they brought it back for the same role. That's awesome. Um, That's and then, the, <laughs> pardon me, the last thing I watched uh, that is of note is I watched Justin Roiland's new show called Solar Opposites. Uh, it is a Hulu original. I have a VPN. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's very Liam. You actually might enjoy it. I, and that's a stretch. I think you don't like Rick and Morty because you're not a fan of Dan Harmon, I think. Because a lot of no, what's I wrong with Rick Justin and Morty Hol- is 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 Dan Harmon's fault, I think. Because Justin Roiland <laughs> is he he's a very funny guy when you kinda when you do rein him in a little bit. And does he do uh, the thing that drives me crazy where he over relies on stupid voices? No, surprisingly. He only does one voice on the show. He plays a so what Solar Opposites is about uh, a a group of aliens who cr- who crash land on Earth in hopes of terraforming it to re- reclaim the glory of their lost planet that blew up. So kind of like um, uh, Superman too, uh, a little or bit. Like every that. other sci-fi concept I've seen. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Justin Roiland plays a character named Clorvo, who is a you know he's the straight man, and Thomas Middleditch plays uh, Terry, uh, his the the quirky one. Who loves Earth and, and Corvo hates Earth? And then, uh, have you guys ever seen the good the Goldbergs? By no chance. Um, the the kid who plays the Adam in that show plays one of the two kids, and then this uh, stand up comedian I can't remember or Mary, Mary something I can't remember what her last name is, but she plays uh, the, the 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 girl. They're genderless, but they have to assume gender roles <laughs> so that they can fit into society in the show. But uh, there's this great bit in the show. Where uh, the 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 boy uh, is he 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 kind of hates humans, and so when one of them pisses him off, he shrinks them down to an inch, and then puts them in a uh, in a grid system that he's built in his wall, um, where he's collecting human beings. And there's this entire B story that happens in the show about these people living in the wall. And how they they like overthrow this like oppressive government and they like make religion <laughs> and like all this stuff and I believe also the sixth episode or seventh episode possibly yes the seventh episode also only eight episodes um, for the first season but the seventh episode isn't takes entirely the entire episode takes place inside of the wall and this like resistance and this stuff that that, that this overthrow of this oppressive government and yeah it's just really funny it's a lot more clever than rick and morty in a lot of ways it doesn't rely That's heavy not hard to do shut up 
It doesn't rely super heavily on uh, references. They're they're there because Justin Roiland is a pop culture fan, obviously, so he really appreciates a lot of the stuff. But um, it doesn't control the show, like how Rick and Morty. Every show is like an homage to another property. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's calling it an homage is generous. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> On that note, fuck you, Liam. We're talking Rick and Morty now. <laughs> so in the time that we, we've we've been on break, there's been three episodes. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Three episodes of Rick and Morty because they're on episode eight now. Um, one, of which, one of which was not good. I really did not like it. But the sixth episode was very funny. They completely spoofed the story circle thing, completely tear it apart, just like destroy it. <laughs> And then uh, the episode that aired last night, we're recording this on uh, the 19th, just so everybody knows. Is it the 19th today? Uh, 18th. 18th. So the, uh, this uh, episode came out yesterday on the 17th, and, and uh, it's called the, the Acid Vat episode or the Vat of Acid episode. It's literally the name of the episode. They couldn't come up with it, the Vat of Acid episode. And basically Rick um, and Morty go to uh, – do this trade-off this delivery thing and rick uh installs a fake vat of acid for them to jump into in case things go wrong and then basically the show spirals out from there where morty thinks it's a stupid idea and then rick's like i dare you to come up with a better idea and morty invents this device that is like a save point device so he can like um, save and then go do whatever the fuck he wants and then if it doesn't work out he just like reloads his save (laughs) and it does its rick and morty thing and Gets oh, crazy yeah. and bad shit. Um, and, and also, then, uh, have have we talked about middle ditch and middle ditch and Swartz on the show before? I think we were about to on the last. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. Uh, we haven't. No, I've only seen the first two. I haven't seen all three. Okay. Yeah. They're they're very funny. They're so stupid. So dumb. I love them so much. So <laughs> Lucas, you want you want to explain what it is? So Middle Edition Schwartz is, is uh, a series of comedy specials. They're like kind of stand-up specials, except they're all completely improvised. So what happens is the first like 10 minutes of the show, they talk to somebody in the audience and ask they ask them, like, is there anything that you're looking forward to or dreading that's coming up in the future? And then people shout out their answers. They pick one and they talk to the people in the audience and they kind of mine them for, for information and for and for like story hooks and stuff like that. And they, then based on that conversation, they improvise an hour of, of comedy. And it's always so stupid yeah, it's and so dumb. funny. I lo- I <laughs> They're lo- brilliant improvisers. It's insane. Like, and some, I love sometimes how they acknowledge, like, there's a running joke through the shows where they're, they, they, they create these characters and give them voices, but don't name them and then move on to other characters. And then they come back to the other, uh, the other characters and they're like, what's my name? I, do I have a name? <laughs> yeah. um, I love in this in the second episode. I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, hopefully, but when the alien shows up in the second episode <laughs> and you can just Middle tell... Ditch is just like, nope, nope, I'm not going to justify that. That's your job. <laughs> I do not want to do this. And he's just, and then he gets to a point where he's just like, you brought this alien in. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of done my, I'm done my, uh, my ingestion. I do want to mention uh, Liam and I both have different sets now, as you can see. Yeah. I don't just have a back, a white wall. Uh, our, our, Liam and I's cameras are fucked up, so uh, you might, we might be a little choppy today. Uh, just bear with us while we figure out yeah, the kinks. We're using, we're using Discord video, and the Discord uh, video service leaves something to be desired. Yeah. Uh, it's functional for the most part, but a little choppy sometimes. Yeah, so for those of you at home, 
uh, this right here where my hand is. Um, Lucas, do you know who that is? <laughs> I do know who that is. That, who is it? <laughs> That's the Slash Squatch. It is. This is our Slash Squatch uh, um, placed atop of a mannequin that I owned named Jennifer. Uh, who is also in a uh, uh, Slender Lizard sketch called Manny Quinn. So you can see this entire unit in Manny Quinn. But uh, if you want to go check out uh, In the Trees, this is the uh, it's the mask right there. Man, yeah. it, it, and it there looks it just as equally shitty here as it does in the movie. <laughs> I'd, I had to be replaced as as a Slash Watch because the costume is too small for me. Yep, Lucas is a giant. Uh, there was like there was like there was like half a foot of jeans you could see, like underneath. Yeah, maybe you should have gone shopping with Christian for the costume so you could have fit into it. it no, it, I don't think there was any of them that would have fit me. Yeah, you're you're still in the movie. Like they're, they're sort of one size. Yeah, you're in the shots where I'm there. At, at, towards the end when you're chasing Oliver through the through the. Oh woods. yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. You're the one running, uh, running along, and that's where you can kind of see the jeans if you look real close. <laughs> There's also a shot in that movie that still exists um, where uh, it's the shot where uh, our camera operator fell down. Um, that shot is still in the movie. We just cut out of it really fast. But it's the shot where we broke the camera. And uh, Oh, no. And it was the day before our insurance kicked in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, stories for a different day. Liam, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to keep, given you guys went off for a while, I'm going to keep mine quick and to the point. I went off for um, a while. Lucas was very, <laughs> very short. Um, so I guess to start, I watched a movie that I meant to see when it was coming out because I heard it was okay. That was recently added to Netflix, a film called The Foreigner with uh, Jackie Chan and uh, Pierce Brosnan. And okay. uh, um, it essentially follows... Uh, Essentially, Jackie Chan is a uh, restaurant owner in uh, London whose uh, daughter gets killed in a uh, in a bombing uh, by a group who claimed to be the new IRA, I think they were called. <laughs> and uh, uh, what is in Chan is uh, trying to get the names of the people who, um, uh, what is it, who uh, committed the bombings, but the head of state or the head minister is saying like, uh, no, we don't have those, but Chan doesn't believe him, uh, uh, was a head minister is played by uh, Brosnan. He doesn't believe him because Brosnan is a publicly said he used to be a part of the, the IRA. Um, so it essentially involves Chan going rogue against, uh, uh, was it against uh, the Irish government trying to, uh, was it trying to uh, get the names of a people who are responsible for his daughter's death. Hmm. And it's okay. Uh, it's pretty well directed overall. Like uh, the guy who directed it is the same guy who did like uh, Goldeneye, Casino Royale, and uh, uh, The Mask of Zorro which are all films I like well enough. Um, the biggest thing that's interesting about it is that it was kind of mismarketed. Like, mm. uh, it was, if you watch the trailer, like, there's a lot of just shots of Jackie Chan kicking ass and whatnot, but the movie's almost more of, like, a political thriller yeah. with just, like, that action huh. thrown into it. That's kind of what I assumed it was going to be like, because obviously to sell a middle-aged, or not even middle, an elderly Jackie Chan movie, you got to kind of put a little bit of ass whooping mm -hmm. in the trailer to get people yeah, to no, see it. I will say a highlight for it is that the acting is all very, very good. Like, Jackie Chan is actually very good dramatically in this one. Like, uh, you, nice. you could really feel, like, his pain and sorrow. Like, he doesn't really have to talk much. You just kind of have to look at him and it comes across. And when it comes to him fighting, you could tell he's doing his Jackie Chan thing, but uh, he's also kind of just channeling maybe Jack Taken a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, Brosnan is actually really, really good in it. 
he actually gets to you he has like this heavy heavy irish accent i didn't know um, he was irish liam liam yeah. let me in on that the other day yeah i, I always i'm thought, learning this just now yeah no i looked it up after it turns out that he is a very irishman oh huh. um interesting but no, overall, it was okay. If you have nothing to do some night, I'd recommend maybe giving it a watch. Okay. Um, then also because uh, uh, the other thing I watched, uh, because I spend too much time sitting around and qu- and thinking about why the world is bad, I decided <laughs> I need a more optimistic uh, view, of, view of the future. So I've been re-watching uh, sporadically uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Nice. Nerd. Um, no, that's it. That's cool. <laughs> uh still holds up very 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 well um it's still uh what is it like and a lot of uh topics that they touched on or whatnot have kind of uh most of them have aged pretty pretty well or if some things i've talked about in past episodes where it's like you tried but it didn't really uh come across as well as you guys hoped Mm -hmm. um i mean like uh i forgot how many two-parters there were on that show like yeah because everything that sticks out to people is like uh of uh uh Picard and the Borg story arc and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's but season two, right? Uh, three. It's mm-hmm. the finale yeah. to three, and it picks, and you have to wait a whole year until it picks up until season four. Yep. Um, I mean, not I, anymore. Yeah, yeah not I mean, anymore. I mean, if you wanted to really torture yourself, you could just like <laughs> wait a whole uh, year was, to watch it. You know, there was uh, one episode I can compl- I kind of forgot about actually where um. Uh, was it where uh, Lore comes back and he's like essentially taking a bunch of Borg and uh, he's using and he's manipulating data with the emotion chip? Oh, I mean, right. yeah, I kind of forgot about that episode. And I mean, it's a and that one was decent, though. I still have I'm still am not crazy about the idea of the emotion chip to begin with. Mm. Um, but no, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I can't really say much else about uh, the next gen that hasn't really already been said. Um, I will say that, like, again, if you're like me and you just need something a little more hopeful and optimistic, go watch uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. I think that's something we could maybe all use a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then lastly, uh, I, I am cur- uh, as of now, I am three seasons into BoJack Horseman. Went for something Yay. super optimistic to something that's sometimes <laughs> occasionally fucks with me and I have to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> the end of season three is fucking heavy. Yeah, oh my I, god i texted lucas yesterday and i was like yeah, yeah. I, I think i need to take a little break <laughs> <laughs> for um, those for those who know who what happens at the end of season three of bojack uh they understand i think i had to yeah. take a, I, I i had to take a break because season four wasn't out yet when i watched it but yeah uh, um he yeah. kills a I lot will... of people <laughs> uh, i will say that um so uh, before the part of the reason why I never really got into BoJack is because I was scared it was going to be another obnoxious, annoying Rick and Morty type show. Can I mute? Like, oh, guess, I'm going to mute. Oh, man. guess what? The main character is an alcoholic, and he goes on yeah. zany, wacky adventures with a million references and stupid voices. Server mute, so. Liam. Now, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say is that uh, I was it. BoJack is what Rick and Morty wishes it was. No, nope. BoJack is actually nope. mature, introspective, and different actually shows. and different shows. And actually Stop. has a genuine heart. Stop now. And it and it isn't <laughs> actually shows. and They're it different. isn't overly and it isn't overly subservient to the status quo of nihil of to the idea of nihilism, which, in case you don't know nothing about me, I believe is a useless philosophy. Yeah, it, it flirts with nihilism a little bit sometimes. That's that's in BoJack's lower moments. Yeah, I, I see. I see the show as a lot more very heavy on like ideas of existentialism and uh definitely 
-hmm. Like, and I feel like uh, there are like a lot of the characters in this show aren't good people. Most of the, almost all of them are bad people. Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) but the thing is that like, uh, it's all about the journey of, of trying to be better. Even if you don't Mm. fully understand what that, even if they don't fully understand what that means or what that is. Yeah. And I feel like that's something a lot of people can relate to. And they never frame it as like, uh, oh, is it as like uh, uh, when Bojack does something deplorable or whatnot, it's really cool. It's like, no, it's bad when he does that. Like when he hook, mm-hmm. when he almost hooks up with his friend's daughter, it's like, uh, yeah, yep. that's, yeah, I'm like, no, that's flame, framed as being pretty troubling. Yeah, and Bojack um, is, but I, th- I, I've, I've said, I think I've said, I don't know if I've said it on the show before, but I think everybody can see a piece of themselves in Bojack. Because I mean, like, uh, he is, he is the worst in all of us, like, like pretty much all the time. <laughs> I mean, like occasionally he has a very sweet moment and he does something very nice for somebody but most of the time he is hurting everybody around him but he's like it's, it's like out of a, out of habit and it's out of self-hatred and it's out of just pure like misery trauma. does he have a huge does yeah. he have a huge horse dong because that's what i see that's what i see in uh in bojack with myself um i was also gonna say that in some ways it kind of lifted felt uh was it filled the void that daria kind of left in my life a little bit mm where there is that genuine sense of like cynicism and whatnot. And it is definitely a lot more modern than Daria is, but mm-hmm. I get a lot of the same ideas from it of like, uh, especially the theme of like, not all really foolish people are terrible. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay, no. Liam? <laughs> um, Todd, Todd, he's Todd's yes. dumb. Okay. But Todd, Todd, yeah. Todd is like my favorite character in that yeah, show. Todd is, I uh, love Todd. Todd is kind of instantly kind of becoming one of my favorite characters in animation. <laughs> um, and, he's, he's can- t- and he's canon asexual, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, there's also a fact, but I don't think Todd, uh, from where I am now, I don't think Todd is as dumb as everybody thinks he is. Mm. Like when he accidentally get when he accidentally gives away all his money or whatnot to a waiter, <laughs> there's part of me that thinks he did that on purpose. I think he did it on purpose. That's yeah. like my my headcanon, at least my my the, the way I read that scene is he's seen what money has done to people, and he doesn't yeah, want money, any part of fame, that. Fame and power. Yeah, I yeah. see that. I've seen that personally. Is like I think that even if he doesn't know that he did it on purpose, he did it on yeah. purpose. It's it's also it's also a meta joke on on sitcoms and how everything's always returned to the status quo at the end of the episode. So it's kind of a joke on that too. Yeah, uh, totally. It's a layered show. <laughs> I mean, I will also say that. Um, uh, there's one episode in season three that's uh, well, two in season three. I will say that's uh, uh, are some of the best episodes of television I've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you was it one me, me about one of them? Uh, yeah, the but... underwater one. I was very impressed with that one. Mm-hmm. Like especially... for those who don't know, it's 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 an almost completely silent episode. Yeah, and like what big what it amounts to in the end, I was honestly rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um. <laughs> I will also say I was talking with uh, uh was it uh uh Ezra, a friend of a show, yeah. um about how uh Mister Mister Peanut Butter kind of reminds me of why I'm a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mister Peanut Butter is uh a lot. yeah he's he's very much a dog, uh, <laughs> and he's also a pretty bad person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, then again, Mister Carolyn's not a great person either, and she's a cat. Yeah. Um, um but yeah. But no, overall, I'm very, very much enjoying it. Like, again, I'm really happy that it didn't fall into a lot of uh, traps I was scared of. Like, but re- like just, again, obvious, like kind of obvious uh, pop culture references, annoying voices. Though I will say Princess Carolyn's voice did get take a little bit for me to get used to. Mainly because yeah, I thought she's... Amy Sedaris' voice. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, but thing is that I'm not super familiar with Amy Sedaris. So when she first started talking, I thought she sounded like Kelly Ripa or Elastigirl. So I was no. like, this is kind of throwing me off. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, yeah, overall, I'm currently on a bit of a break because it was kind of starting to fuck with me a little bit. But I yeah, can't. Yeah, that's totally fair. It's, it's but, a heavy show sometimes. But once I come around, I'm ready to, I'm really excited to start watching it again. Right on. I'm so glad you're finally watching it. <laughs> and I'm glad you're finally watching Daria. Christian, yeah. <laughs> when are you going to join our little uh, duality? I'm watching Band of Brothers. I didn't want to bring yeah! it up. I didn't want to bring it up because I haven't gotten that far into it yet. So. It's also a heavy show yeah. for different reasons. I re- show. Fine, I'll fucking talk about Band of Brothers for 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, fuck it. I like that show. I've only seen the yeah. first episode, but... Man, fuck David Schwimmer, hey? Right? Fuck that right? guy. He's such a dick. He's a douche. I'm really glad he gets what happens to him in that show. Um, <laughs> I have I, does he, he doesn't come back, who... does he? Don't spoil uh, it. Major spoil. Okay. I hope he uh, dies. I have one <laughs> friend who, uh, or one family member who rewatches Band of Brothers every remember- Remembrance Day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ten hours. Yeah, I don't think I could Alex. do that. Because uh, uh, I think it's episode nine. I, I can't watch that episode very often. That's not the Holocaust one, or sorry, the the, that's the less, uh, concentration uh, it, camp one. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. it's hard to watch. Well, on that note, we're gonna go for a break. <laughs> 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 Once the Holocaust comes up, then I feel like it's it's a good it's yeah. a good spot to 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 take a break. I think. Yeah, it's yeah, good time on, to take on a break. The Jewish it's, comedian. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's time to take a break. We're it's taking it back, everybody. Yet. We're taking. <laughs> We're taking the Holocaust hey, hey, Mel, Mel Brooks very, 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 he very much wants you to know that he is Jewish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to go for a quick break. You're going to see something. And now. Ranch. Ranch dressing in Katie. Uh, I don't even like ranch dressing to begin I, with. I put ranch on everything. Jeez, dude. You're like... You're like uh, when my brother, when he was a teenager, where he just used to go and put other random things together. Like, he used to get, like, Cocoa Puffs or something, sit down on the couch, pour peanut butter on top of him. Yeah, I like, was I was most, I was was looking for, because, like, I can't have milk with my KD, because that will really fuck with my stomach. Uh, so I was looking for other, like, substitutes, and someone, and I was reading online, someone was like, try ranch. I'm like, why not? And it wasn't bad. Oh, in replacing milk. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, maybe it's you're still, on, maybe you're on something. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Thundercast. Did it do it this time? It did not. Okay, perfect. Lucas kept freezing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to we the are. Thundercast, everybody. We are about to discuss uh, Mel Brooks, his movies, his comedy, and how it has aged, stuff like that. But first, we have some recommendations for you. Who wants to go That's first? Right. Should I go first? Uh, I- yeah, go for it. All right, perfect. I'm going to recommend a series on Dropout, a, a service provided by the same people who do College Humor. Uh, it's a show called A Crown of Candy. Uh, it's it's another one of Dimension 20 series. It's a D&D show. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting because it has a very Game of Thrones tone in that it's like heavily invested in the politics of the world. And it's also very, very lethal. Um, but everybody is made out of food. <laughs> that's hilarious it's like fighting foodons yeah like all the main show. characters are from the kingdom of candia they're all made out of candy there's there's a, a barbarian character who is made out of rock candy uh there's there's twin sisters one is black licorice one is red licorice uh then there's a peppermint person and stuff like that 
there's there's a there's a uh, a chocolate bunny character named uh lapan cadbury <laughs> <laughs> uh it's very fun lots of really really funny improvising on the show um uh really really interesting D if you're into that sort of thing so watch that great um, I will suggest that uh, I have, I, I don't feel like reaching for it, but I would like to suggest that uh, you read uh, the uh, Eastman and Laird uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as mm. it is a very great comic book. I actually really, really enjoy it. Uh, there's these great hardcovers uh, that are really, really big, big prints, um, kind of blow up a little. The, They're the really nice. They're very, very nice. I have the first volume and uh, IDW puts that puts them out. Uh, it's a very gritty uh it's it, it's the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, like what it like what it was supposed to be it's a very gritty the first in the i believe shredder dies in the first issue but um, it was also always very tongue-in-cheek and satirical about the whole thing that's right yeah um so that's that's my recommendation the eastman and laird uh teenage mutant ninja turtles comic books i was gonna recommend uh joe kelly's run on run on deadpool fucking nerd is, comic books <laughs> fuck you <laughs> collected in Four, uh, four of a Deadpool classics run. So issues or volumes, uh, two till uh, five. Yeah, which I have also um, read. I should say, and I everything Liam's gonna say is is probably correct. They are very good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, everything that the movies have pulled from, or everything that everybody knows about Deadpool originates from Joe Kelly's run. He's the guy who uh, really uh, introduced the characters of Weasel and Blind Al. He um, is also the person to first introduce the idea of Deadpool breaking the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when Deadpool was originally created, for those who don't know, he was meant to essentially be a uh, a discount uh, Deathstroke, otherwise known as Slade Wilson. And then, <laughs> uh, um, but then uh, Marvel, uh, when Rob Liefeld and Fabian Nicieza were in on it, it's like, well, why don't you make his real name Wade Wilson so we know we're so they know we're in on the joke. <laughs> um, for those of you listening or watching at home, yes, I did just have a pop up on my computer telling me that I don't have enough storage. Don't get oh, on my yeah. my back about that. <laughs> um, also, also, I watched I watched Deadpool too. Yeah, oh yeah, I like and? it much better than than uh, Deadpool one. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. I flip. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it after the show. Yeah, but... yeah. I just want to throw that in there. Cool. But go on, Liam. Um, but no, uh, those are. Uh... I mean, I'm I use I'm not as big a Deadpool fan as I used to be, mainly because as I said in the past, I've kind of started to become a little oversaturated with like very meta and referential and breaking the fourth wall because like it's kind of popping up in so many movies. Um, but like this is like very much my Deadpool and the Deadpool that I was at that I grew up around and have always loved. Like I'm even to a kind of to a point where I'm like, after that, you don't really have to read anything else. Just read Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool. <laughs> In fact, he even went on to uh, him and a number of other creators uh, from Marvel went on to form their own company uh, called Man of Action that went on to create like uh, Ben Ten and Generator Rex. Cool. Oh. I, don't, I don't know what those are, but awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, was it a? Oh, and they created Big Hero Six together. Right. Yes. Yes. Big Hero Six is based on a comic book that uh created by a a troupe called uh, Man of Action that uh again Joe Kelly helped form. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Very cool. So those are some recommendations for you yeah. if you were at home. I like. Uh, you, I like uh, how all you... of it was really nerdy shit. Yeah, as it should. <laughs> be. Comic books. Look and, at Liam. D and D shows. Yeah. Look at <laughs> look at Liam's background. Really, like honestly, if you 
I think you get a good personality look yeah. when you look at each one of our <laughs> screens, you know? I have a combination so a, of sci-fi and fantasy books and also old-looking books that I haven't read, but I just like the look of. <laughs> and Lucas also likes to ride boats. <laughs> That's the blue nose. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah can, we saw it it. can we saw it in half? See if it'll still no. go? <laughs> uh, so, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Uh, so, one of the, one of the they... most uh, famous uh, comedians, not necessarily comedians, but like uh, comedic movie makers. Yeah, comedic, comedic filmmakers. Talent, I would say, yeah. yeah. And did a lot for just uh, the way we see parody and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think he yeah, probably, sure. he basically, uh, he didn't invent parody, obviously, but like modern he made it parody. modern parody, probably, is a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, if, um, if it weren't for him, we probably wouldn't have a scary movie or anything like that, which, you know. I mean, I could do without scary movie, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, so fact, with with this conversation about Mel Brooks, I guess what we're we're kind of going off on is, you know, have his movies stood up to the test of time, mm-hmm. really? And, and like, does the humor still, is it still um, relevant, you know, in a lot of cases? Or is it, uh, re- is relevancy the, I guess, not really what I'm going for? Yeah. Is it, how, like, how has it aged? Has it aged well or aged poorly? I, mean, I like, think, yeah. I think in order to get into that, we kind of need to uh, go back to like where Mel Brooks began mm-hmm. um, and like where his kind of mindset came from, which I did do some research on. So, All right. uh, roll the clip. <laughs> Wait, where? I was gonna do like a e true Hollywood behind the scene. No, oh no, I lost my notes. I had notes so, too. Um, they go? Shit. We do not so, have the budget to uh, show you the clip. So, yeah. Liam, please explain explain the clip. So, uh, Mel Brooks was born uh, Melvin Kaminsky. Um, uh, what is it? And uh, was born into a uh, very blatantly Jewish family. Mm-hmm. And why, he why is very it much. Blatant? Because of the way Mel Brooks has carried it throughout his career, it's easy to figure oh. out. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, he also, uh, uh, before becoming a creator, he served in World War II um, against uh, the Nazi party and whatnot. Yeah, and, I believe uh, he was drafted uh, in 1944. Yeah, and that led to uh, his uh, the ideal that he had, which is that uh, comedy and parody can always be your greatest weapon against uh, fascism and uh, uh, was it and um, just uh, the actual horrors and atrocities of of a human of a human race in this world Mm -hmm. um and again so that and it kind of led to uh probably one of his most famous things to satire which is the nazi party yeah yeah it makes fun of nazis a lot they bring and it comes up quite a lot (laughs) well i mean his first well i mean well his first major thing from what i understand my first exposure and was the 60s uh get smart tv show Mm -hmm. uh where there isn't really a lot of that that one's kind of just general bond parody and whatnot and like spy movies and espionage but his first uh major like big hit was the producers which yeah. is essentially him lampooning the nazi the nazi regime and uh uh yeah and also kind of and also kind of the theater industry at the time as well yeah yeah because <laughs> he, he he was uh he, he still is a huge theater buff and and mm-hmm. still is writing for theater especially with young frankenstein i believe they're still working on the blazing saddles musical mm-hmm I didn't um, know they're so, doing a Blazing Saddles musical. That should be interesting. It's been in the talks for a long time, so okay. I, I do think it, it maybe will come out when he's dead. No. Uh, <laughs> Which, you know, he's 93. It's not going to be that long. No. But no, I hope he, I hope uh, he stays around as long as possible. Yeah. Mel Brooks also has spawned uh, a very talent. Well, 
talented young uh, young young man named Max Brooks, yeah. his son, who is the writer of uh, the Zombie Survival Guide, and also a number of Minecraft books <laughs> and, World War, and World War Z. Yeah. And World War Z. That's actually, so, I, I actually wanted... really like that book. That's a that's a good book. The movie, the only thing the movie has in common with it is the title. It's yeah. the title. Like yeah. literally nothing yeah. else. <laughs> taking from actual, go, going from actual deconstructions of the zombie apocalypse to Brad Pitt saving the world, yeah. damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still waiting on the sequel, which I do believe David Fincher is directing. The, no, uh, he left uh, to direct uh, Mank. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Um... But a few of uh, Mel Brooks's films include, uh, and probably the ones that will come up the most are uh, the producers, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Robin Hood, Med in Tights, and Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. You're missing uh, a few of the ones that I really enjoy, such as mm-hmm. High Anxiety, um, which I, I didn't really list. Appreciate. I didn't list that one because I actually haven't seen that one. So you, Liam only lists the ones that he watched. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are all movies that I've seen. A lot of these movies I grew up with and have seen many times. Yeah, but, those no, are kind of the just... most famous ones. And then there's History of the World Part One, uh, of mm-hmm. which there is no part two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> Life stinks and Dracula dead and loving it. Uh, and also the Twelve Chairs, which I do believe is not uh, a comedy. I believe that's more of a a drama drama oh, it's a comedy film but um based off of a book also called the 12 chairs by ilof and petrov and petrov um but anyway so um so going in 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 terms of what so like liam said the uh, the producers was his first major motion picture uh which has received quite a high rating uh with a budget of less than a million dollars probably yeah. including for inflation I mean, it kind of it helped uh, bring uh, Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel into uh, the public eye. Yeah, and and it's it's funny because Gene Wilder, like up until that point, like and moving forward from there, really didn't was not successful. <laughs> or honestly, like it wasn't until Blazing Saddles that he really popped off. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with uh, with uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So. We can thank uh, Mel Brooks for for, for Gene, Gene Wilder. Wilder. <laughs> yeah, Gene Wilder. Um, I do want Liam. Why don't you? Because uh, Lucas, you haven't seen Producers, right? I would. I have not. I was intending to watch it uh, in the past couple of days, but I could not find a place to uh, legally watch it that didn't cost like fifteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, and I, I am in the same boat. I have not seen it. So Liam, why don't we let you cover that one? Because I know we've all seen Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Right. So uh, to give a general rundown of Producers, it essentially follows. Uh, a guy named uh, was it a uh, was it a, a mogul on Broadway named uh, Max who's starting to uh, essentially come into some financial troubles. Um, so he hires uh, Gene Wilder, uh, Leo, uh, who plays Leo Bloom, to be his accountant. And uh, realizing just how much of a loose cannon and how easy to manipulate this guy is, he decides to. They essentially get together. They decide to create the worst Broadway show pro- possible, and then just run off with uh, due to a. Uh, how do I explain? Like this whole uh, tax bracket thing, just run off with all the money after the show tanks and bombs. Um, and and it's that essentially... musical is called Springtime for Hitler. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they, yeah, no, they hire, yeah, no, and they hire like this Nazi sympathizer to uh, to consult Played by with them Will they... Ferrell. Wait, wrong. No. no. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Mars, the voice of King Triton from The Little Mermaid. Oh, oh really cool. Um, and. Uh, they also, uh, there's also this point where they, uh, to play Hitler himself, they hire like this hippie kid to play him, uh, named, uh, LSD. <laughs> 1967, everybody. Yeah. 1967. 
Yeah, and the whole movie is essentially, um, I uh, was it Mel Brooks lampooning the uh, theater, and uh, I was it in film industry as well as um, I was it as well as like uh, Nazi propaganda and whatnot, and people going off and saying like, you can't joke about Nazis; it's too close to home. And any of that, and Mel Brooks was very much like, yeah, I, I'm Jewish. I've known, I've experienced and seen this shit. I think no, I yeah. can too joke close about to it. home. <laughs> yeah, and I. Uh, Again, I, I mention her videos a lot, but Lindsay Ellis has a really great video on the producers and just the ethics of satire about Nazis. Uh, and uh, one thing Mel Brooks, she mentioned that Mel Brooks said was the reason he believes it's ethical, it's ethical to satirize Nazis is because it's the only way to posthumously remove their power. Because right. like, you think of movies like, like American History X where neo-Nazis like embrace that movie because it makes them look cool. But like that, and they use that, and they use other movies like that uh, as sort of like self-propagandizing things. But they never sat, or, but they never, they never claimed springtime for Hitler as their thing. So yeah, yeah. or Jojo Rabbit it now. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There, well, compare. Well, the interesting thing about uh, there has been some backlash about the producers in major years where they have said like, well, turning them into a joke, uh, uh kind of takes away the fact that um, they are still there is still something to fear with them and something to be concerned about. Which JoJo embraced, but the producers just lampooned all of them. Mm -hmm. So it really, so that's a way like how some could argue the producers may not have aged especially well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still think that, um, I still think that everything has its place and those concerns are definitely warranted, especially given our current climate. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> and I sneezed. So there we go. <laughs> We got our shit together, anyway. guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then his next movie, like I said, was The Twelve Chairs, uh, which um, I ha I don't believe any of us have seen as far as I know, right? I have not. Yeah, I've, I've no. never seen that one. But I mainly then, saw the ones that, uh, that my dad and my grandpa really loved. Then coming up uh, was Blazing Saddles. Blazing which Saddles. I hadn't seen until we wanted to talk about this movie. Or this uh, <laughs> we talk about Mel Brooks and this topic. I had and seen it. I'd seen it a long time ago, and I watched it again recently for, yeah. for this episode. Uh, I had it's not so seen great. it since I was a kid, but it's I'm like so watching good. it again. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's when I first started watching it, I was like, oh. Oh, boy. oh yeah, no. If like, you turned that movie on to somebody and you didn't tell them it was a uh, it was a parody or uh, or a satire, you would think it's the most offensive thing you've ever seen in your yeah. life. There's some choice language in the first five seconds of that movie, yeah. and it doesn't stop. Like, yeah, it just kind of keeps going. But what I really appreciate about that film is that it it is a longer film. I believe it's close to two hours long. No, it's, no, only, it's only an only hour and a half, about, actually. Yeah, it's only like right. an hour and a half. Right, it's only an hour and a half. But uh, sorry, what I was going to say was that it it starts out as a satire, and then it moves into like a spoof, and then it turns into a parody, you know? Yeah, like, and then eventually it just, like how... it just goes full absurdist. <laughs> even in some, end, yeah. Well, there are even points where it kind of owns its whole Western inspiration points and whatnot, like mm -hmm. uh, getting the town together and whatnot, but with their yeah. own... Uh, with her own comedic sensibilities, like them yeah. go, like uh, Bard and uh, Kid Wacko going off and uh, getting all the Chinese and other black workers together to side with the town and put everything together. Yeah, and I, I like, really, I, I, one of my favorite parts of that film is, is that even in 1974, they were willing to be like, racism's fucked, hey? Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's <laughs> look how that, fucked up this is. Yeah, that's a whole um, part of the. That's like one of the main points of the movie. Like it was also satirizing like westerns and like a very specific of like very specific TV genre of like the wholesome western, 
where yeah. like we're we're western and everything's all great all the time and sort how of thing. everything always looks like a set and uh... yeah yeah and but like there's this there's this whole there's this like idea around specifically blazing saddles people are like oh you couldn't make blazing saddles today and maybe you could maybe you couldn't like uh it, it was a very specific parody of a very specific thing at that time uh as well as a parody of racism but a lot of people say that because movies don't they, people don't say the n-word in movies anymore and that's the thing they focus on unless it's yeah. something like 12 years a slave or django or, unchained yeah or... exactly but uh, i don't know i just want no, to mention it's, that because that's weird to me yeah, I do. I do kind of agree with you. I, I, I don't think you could make that that same movie turned down, washed out, and uh, it, it would it would kind of lose all its meaning mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but I do think that it still holds up very, very well. I think I agree. It, it definitely holds up. Uh, some of the yeah. jokes in that movie are some of the funniest jokes I've heard in a <laughs> well, very long time. Well, there's even like some even Looney Tunes style gags of Errol. Yeah, with the candy yeah. gram, and then and then he comes he comes walking back into the room with uh with with uh, the kid, and he's like, it's like I just invented the candy gram, but I'm never gonna get credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and also- then even even sorry, Liam, even as simple as when. Uh, they de- they deal with with uh, what's his name again the the big brute, uh, um, Mongo Mongo and uh, the the old lady who who cussed him out quite bad, um, Black Bart <laughs> uh, comes in and she gives him a pie and then she's just like it's like I I just want uh oh apologize like she did not learn just uh little touches before that of like uh when uh bart's going out to deal with him and uh, he gets his gun ready and uh uh kid waco just looks up it's like oh don't use that you'll just make him angry just little <laughs> yeah. touches like that. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, I i just want to point I out think... something that just happened to me my internet slowed down so you guys froze for a little bit and then it just fast forward you guys to catch up to the, the moment oh really? so you guys kind of froze so then went <laughs> So did you hear what we said? No. Just really fast? Oh, okay. Well, um, good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of choppy, Lucas. So for those of you watching okay. at home, you're probably going to get some really great screenshots of Lucas. Yeah. Um, um, I was, uh, one thing I was going to bring up, obviously the most, the thing that's brought up the most in discussion with Blazing Saddles in more con- contemporary viewings is um, like Mel Brooks and the movie's use of the N-word. Mm-hmm. And like uh, the debate as to is it justified or whatnot, or should yeah, Mel but, Brooks be able to get away with that? And that's the thing, though, is that he did not continue to do that in the rest of his movies. No, it was just and it was also, just in the western specifically. Yeah, and most of the movie was written by um, Richard by, uh, Pryor. Richard Pryor. So, hmm. like, yeah, Mel Brooks definitely it did. I mean, there's a there's there's one part where I'm like, okay, maybe you pushed it a little too far, Mel. <laughs> And that's when he plays the Yiddish uh, uh, Indian chief. You know? Yeah, that the, one. The, the, that one. That one was uh, weird for me too. Yeah, in 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 watching it, I was like, okay, like this this joke doesn't hold up. This yeah. is one yeah, of the it's... few ones that doesn't work. But and there's I mean... there's the occasional uh, maybe not in Blazing Saddles, but in a lot of his work, there is the occasional pretty homophobic joke as well. Yeah, yeah. He, they definitely well, rely pretty heavily on gay people are funny, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, Mel Brooks seems to think, uh, or I mean, I don't know how he feels now or whatnot, but back then he seemed to be of the impression that 
just gay people in and of themselves are funny. Like even to a point where he wasn't even really making a joke. He was just kind of showing off like, look at how gay these people are. Yeah. Where I'm Which, like, that's a little troubling. A celebration of 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 uh, LGBTQ um, plus community and whatnot. But I don't think it's a celebration. I feel like he's making fun of being gay which mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I don't know if that, that carries itself throughout the rest of his films, um, especially later on in his career. But, uh, there's a uh, lot of it in Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> oh, true. Yes, very true, very true, which I did not watch for this because mm. I've seen um, it once, and after you brought that up, Lucas, I watched a couple scenes, and I was like, yep, not, not doing it, not doing this one. Um, yeah, I think Blazing Saddle, we'll come back to it because I feel like it, it, it is such a pinnacle of his career. But mm -hmm. uh, moving on to uh, what's the next one here? Sorry, my, my phone. Uh, Young Frankenstein came out the exact same year. Same year. Right. That's right. And it's funny how Blazing Saddles was Warner Brothers. Then he did four movies with uh, 20th Century Fox. Huh. Um, Young Frankenstein, I again, one I had never seen before. The only the only uh, Mel Brooks movie that I was familiar with was, was Spaceballs. Hmm. Um, you know, and I grew up point. and I grew up with like blazing saddles and um, uh, space balls and uh, young Frankenstein and all of that. And man, young Frankenstein also so good. It's great. I, it's, it's so funny. it's not it's not particular. I see. I was going to say the opposite. It's not particularly very funny mm. so much. It's a very well made film. It is. Um, and it and it holds those beats of of um, Frankenstein. It is. You're it, you're you're telling mary shelley's frankenstein like it's the exact same story there's no with sought with save a couple of differences here and there well, but it's, it's the universe um, it's, it's the it's the universal uh frankenstein monster movie story it's not it's not the frankenstein book story yes. but yeah, yes. yeah it's a yes. yeah it's a parody of the uh, the universal monsters uh specifically frankenstein like yeah. what if igor Done was by so, 20th uh, century fox yeah, like, what if <laughs> igor was so completely oblivious to his own uh, was it to um his own uh to his own appearance what if um they uh what if um when, uh, when they're making the monster uh he fucked up and uh oh was it got the abnormal brain what if horses actually neighed every time frau blucher says her name <laughs> frau, frau blucher <laughs> that's that i, mean, I don't know when i think young frankenstein that is the first thing that comes to mind for me Really? Yeah, my, my, for me, why. it's um this scene where uh, they're they're riding through the the forest, going up to the castle, and and uh, what's her name? Uh, the the woman that's with them. Uh, I can't remember what her name is right now. That the, yeah, the, not, the, not Frau Blucher, the the other woman in the movie. The other woman, yeah. Uh, anyway, she <laughs> they they hear a were a wolf go off and just like werewolf. It's like over there, and then he says, "Like, yeah, their wolf, their castle, their <laughs> their horse." And he's just like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "You asked for the things, or so I just <laughs> I'd answer." <laughs> yeah, um, just, it's really like a lot of the I, I, the thing with I I think with Young Frankenstein is that compared to Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles, the jokes are a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. um, but in Young Frankenstein, the jokes are much smaller and more contained. Um, well, uh, I think a lot of that comes from Mel Brooks was so intent on uh, keeping the atmosphere of the original, but making everything else completely absurd, mm -hmm. yeah. which really helped elevate the comedy, even if it's not like as grand and all over the place or absurdist as Blazing Saddles. Like you get that laugh from everything being from the whole setting and everything being super dreary, but the characters and all of that being a little bit more a little bit more oddbally for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think, uh, young Frankenstein is much, 
it, that's 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 the point is it's supposed to be like a smaller kind of production like you would have gotten from one of those universal productions mm-hmm. rum compared to blazing saddles which you know westerns are huge that that's the point they're supposed yeah. to be very large at, at, at the time films. like at the time we, we talked about like superhero fatigue and how like everything that comes out nowadays is a superhero movie but like the amount of the market that superhero movies have uh nowadays is pretty is like pretty small compared to the market westerns had in that yeah, time well, period blazing blazing saddles came out right after um the astronauts went into space and uh i was at end everybody was just started to realize how over westerns they were yeah <laughs> uh and then uh silent movie came out in 1976 which, which i haven't I have never seen, seen yet i no, so I haven't watched that one yet. But I did watch High Anxiety, um, and High Anxiety is a spoof of uh, and parody of Hitchcock films, um, specifically uh, Vertigo, uh, is the, and some elements of all of his, all of his other films, but mostly Vertigo. Um, I believe Hitchcock even has a has a cameo in the film. I could be wrong nice. on that. So, so Mel Brooks fans, don't crucify me. <laughs> um, that joke works on many levels. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, High Anxiety is, is it, it's the one where Mel, Mel Brooks actually has like a he's the star, he's mm-hmm. the star of the film, um, and it it it's also very funny, but it's 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 kind of the same as uh, Young Frankenstein, where the jokes really aren't really like the focus of the film. It's it's trying to do and show the parody of those of that thing, which kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I hope I can try and explain this a little better. So it's, it is it is very obviously a spoof, but it's not a parody, I should say, um, where you like they're taking these concepts and these these ideas that that's Hitchcock had presented and just kind of, you know, making them a little bit more um, pedestrian in a way. Uh, so uh, Mel Brooks has the, the the premise of the film is that he is a doctor who's been invited to come to this uh, uh, this hospital where people suffer from very a, a number of of ailments, uh, most of them pretty suburban <laughs> in the long run. Like uh, one of one one of the patients is, uh, thinks he's a cocker spaniel, <laughs> um, which is not something that like you know they'd probably find a way to figure that out, but. Um, he he Mel Brooks suffers from high anxiety, which is basically vertigo. But when he gets vertigo or thinks about heights, heights, he just has a panic attack, which they make seem very humorous. It doesn't sit. The explanation of it is not funny, but in the movie, it is quite, quite hilarious. Um, and, and they have to deal with it quite a lot. I don't really have much to say because I watched it a couple weeks ago, but uh, it is one I, I do suggest you see it. It, it does it doesn't hold up as well as some of the other ones like young Frankenstein. Yeah, no, I think part of why I was never shown that one is because, uh, I think, uh, given at the time I watched a lot of other Mel Brooks movies, I was, uh, like I would have understood like a lot of the references or whatnot, at least from my parents' perspective, like Frankenstein and, uh, Westerns and whatnot. I'm pretty sure they would have known, but assuming my parents have seen them, that I wouldn't have understood like the Hitchcocky stuff at that point. Yeah. And it's quite heavy on that, um, sort of thing. Uh, his next film was The History of the World Part 1, which I have not seen. I've uh, seen uh, bits and pieces of it. Like, I've seen quite a... I think I've probably seen most of the movie. Uh, I remember I sat down to watch it one time when I was in university. I got about halfway through before something happened. I had to leave. I can't remember. And since then, I've watched... just rewatched clips and stuff. Uh, and Mel Brooks plays Moses. He's He's great. <laughs> oh wow! Wow! Well, I mean, I know the movie's meant to be around like a kind of a spoof of like the, the Ten Commandments and uh, yeah. 
he does he like talk the, does he talk to the burning bush uh i can't remember but there is one scene where he's coming off the mountain with the stone tablets with the commandments and then he's carrying three tablets and uh he's shouting out to his people it's like god has given us these and one of the tablets crashes and and shatters and he's like ten commandments <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny and oh, there's one... yeah because I know, I know the the premise of it is that like it's kind of like a clip show in a way that yeah. just covers like the world um a sketch comedy film is what it says on, on wikipedia yeah yeah a bunch of sketches uh ranging mostly around like biblical and roman times if i remember correctly yeah. uh there's one sketch where uh moses is standing next to a river with his with his arms raised and some people come by with a cart and like, oh, look, Moses is parting the water for us. How nice. And they go through the river and then the camera angle changes and there's a guy with like a crossbow at Moses's back. He's like, give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Very funny. Those are the, those are the two uh, things that I remember most vividly. But uh, it, it's, it was from what I remember, it was quite funny. I, I tried to rewatch it, but again, I couldn't find a place that was willing to rent it to me and not sell it to me for like 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these the older films usually um, that suffer from that uh, through mm-hmm. streaming services is that they just they're like, if you haven't seen it yet, then fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> like, basically. Just buy it, you <laughs> idiot. Uh, then the, ne- the next one that came out was uh, a couple of years later, and that is Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Spaceballs uh, was my that... first uh, my first exposure to Mel Brooks. Same. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, that was kind of what got my parents to show me the other ones because I heard about Spaceballs and my dad was like, okay, you can watch Spaceballs. And he's like, I made a bad show, but Star Wars is stupid. But um, how do you guys feel about Spaceballs? Uh, it's been, I didn't I didn't rewatch it for this episode just because I saw it a lot when I was a kid. Uh, looking um, back, some of it is not very funny just from a retrospective. It's, uh, it's really not. <laughs> Ever since it was the I first re-watched... one I watched for this episode and and I had seen it a lot when I was a kid too. I don't like it. I don't like it. I was you know, really re- bored the whole time. Rewatching space. Uh, my opinion on Spaceballs has lowered ever since I rewatched it when I was uh, when I was like twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, a lot. It's it's. I I don't want to rewatch it like for that reason. I don't want my because I I feel like I'm gonna like it a lot less if I rewatch it. Holding on. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is that um. A lot of my thing with it is that it just feels like uh, with other Mel Brooks parodies or whatnot, there's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of a lovingness to how stupid all of it is or whatnot. Mm. I mean, with the exception of uh, like the Nazi stuff and the producers. Yeah. Um, but like uh, with Spaceballs, it just felt like Mel Brooks felt like the whole Star Wars concept and and merchandising and all of that was stupid. Mm-hmm. And he just got really stuck on just the merchandising ideas. Like the only parts of that movie I genuinely find funny are Rick Moranis's parts, mm. uh, where, like where he's clearly ad libbing. Yeah, like um, the it it is the probably the first time that he went full parody, just mm. straight up. It it had it's not a spoof. It is a parody of Star Wars, and I don't. I also don't think it's a good parody of Star Wars. You know, like yeah, there are really, better... it's not really a parody of like the story of Star Wars or the world of it's, Star Wars. It's, it's just the merchandising, merchandising around Star Wars, really. Yeah, like um, although that 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 scene when yogurt. Is going through like mm-hmm. the various items and stuff. It's very humorous. Yeah, I, don't I remember one I don't... line where it was like, "We'll see you again in Spaceballs 2, The search for more money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they <laughs> almost made moment. that sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's still in. They're still in talks to do it. Um, there uh-huh. was a Spaceballs animated series as well that mm-hmm. aired on G4, um, which Mel Brooks had very little to do with. But mm-hmm. um, 
uh, I don't watch it. It's not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm not a fan of Spaceballs. I mean, just, I just, even it just jokes did not were, do it for me. Yeah. Even jokes like, were just, yeah, Pizza Hut. I was going to be like, I don't like, it's like, is it funny because it you, it's Pizza Hut? Is it funny because uh, was it only, you think, you think yeah. only fat people eat pizza? Like, oh, what's the <laughs> joke? Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, know. the joke at the end when he's like, he was in his own private limousine and he died because he ate himself. Yeah. That's that's kind of funny, mm-hmm. but just there's no like you set up a character in the first act and then he dies because he ate himself. Like, yeah. it just doesn't. There's not a lot of I don't know, just not a lot of connective tissue in that movie. There's even yeah. like the uh, the point with uh, the chest burster or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he yeah, was a hello, just, my darling. Dance number. The what? The, what? The, like when he when the he comes dance. out and he's like, hello, my darling, hello, my baby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, when I was a kid, I thought that was funny because I had I had just seen Alien at the time. Yeah, I I, uh, I had to watch I had to watch Spaceballs at friends' houses because my parents wouldn't let me watch it. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, so that's probably it's, it's one probably that, one of the reasons my opinion of it is elevated. <laughs> you rebellious. Yeah, you rebelled. Yeah, I don't blame you. And then uh, the next one uh, he did was Life Stinks, which I don't think any of us have seen. Yeah, I haven't because apparently it's really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no interest in in it. It's got like a nineteen percent. That's on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not the reason I don't want to watch it. It just it didn't interest me. And then yeah, I mean, after is that, that the one that anybody references or cites. No, no one. I, <laughs> I, I even I didn't even really know about it until I saw it on the list here. Yeah, a lot of these uh, movies uh, I only learned about by researching. I thought I'd seen most of his movies. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And then uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yep, which we, we touched on a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of homophobic jokes in it. <laughs> That's the movie that, uh, so, uh, this is around Spaceballs is when people say the, uh, downfall of, uh, Mel Gibson's career kind of started. Mel Brooks? Mel Brooks. Um, or sorry, yeah, sorry, Mel Brooks. Mel, Mel Gibson had a different falling out. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, a couple of years later. Yeah, no, with, um, like, cause that's what, uh, what is it like, uh, I remember even, uh, when the reviews came out, uh, Gene Siskel said, like, I don't get what happened here. Uh, was it Mel was once a great comedian who seems to have just lost his way. Mm. Um, and like, even my dad has gone off. Uh, uh, was it he adamantly hates Robin Hood men in tights. Like that's what he can't stand. <laughs> he says like, uh, I think he said to me once, he's like, it's not a real movie. Nobody likes it. And anybody who does actually like it doesn't really. <laughs> I was like, geez, dad. I'm pretty sure I own a copy of it, but it's like tucked away in the closet somewhere mm. where, you know, Never mind. An awful, <laughs> awful fucking joke. Which is what the movie thinks gay people should do. No, yeah. <laughs> oops, oops. Uh, um, isn't I'm pretty sure there's a scene at the end of it where Patrick Stewart comes in as as Robert the Lionheart. I'm pretty sure that was that. I'm pretty sure that's was that I think at the so. end of that movie. I'm pretty sure that because I'm I'm I kind of get it and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves mixed up. Like in Prince of because I saw of them Thieves, around the Sean same Connery time. Sean Connery shows up at the end. Oh, Sean Connery! Then it's it's Patrick Stewart at the end of uh, um, Men in Tights. Then because yeah. for some like um, because it is a direct parody of that movie, and like so, for, like I watched them back to back when I was like uh, nineteen or twenty. So like in my head, they're a little bit conflated. <laughs> they're the same movie. Uh, um, I was. Gonna we can't ask... thank it for launching Dave Chappelle's career in a way. <laughs> help, helping to launch Dave Chappelle. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask with the uh, there has also been some debate about Mel Brooks. Uh, uh, was it with his whole decline or whatnot? Some people think that like uh, 
was it really Mel Brooks himself that made all those uh, the ones that we really liked, or was it other people? Like Blazing Saddles, people would argue was predominantly written by Richard Pryor. Uh, Young Frankenstein, people argue was predominantly written by Gene Wilder. Because it was, um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> then before that, was. I mean, I love producers, but out of that, out of a really well-regarded ones, that's the only one he wrote completely by himself. So yeah, and the best ones. I mean, where do you guys stand Wilder. on that, <laughs> Lucas? Uh, the best ones, the best movies he's made had Gene Wilder in them. Yeah, so. oh, and that, that's, that's true. <laughs> that is um, yeah, I mean, Liam, you and I talked about this a while ago because uh, I, I think it, it it does take a good director to take somebody else's work and make it and good make a, a good film out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it you know, film is inherently collaborative, so those collaborations are where a lot of the the positive. Um, influence kind of comes from right like mm-hmm. like especially with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder like those those movies that they, they were involved with are classics because because of the collaboration I think mm-hmm. and and the the work that all those people had to do when when Mel Brooks kind of takes the reins himself mm-hmm. I kind of agree with you in a way where like his the movies suffer because he's being allowed to kind of just be himself and that's where I think Spaceballs kind of suffers is is that he's just like he was frustrated that maybe he didn't make Star Wars and wishes wishes that he had made something of that caliber. Mm. And so was just like, I'm going to shit on it. Yeah, What's I think, interesting I, I also think... is uh, the person who cites these uh, other creatives the most is Mel Brooks himself. Like he still tours around and talks about how much he how much he loves Gene Wilder and he loved Richard Pryor and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another part of it is. I think maybe Mel Brooks brought the parody element to it and and then like other people brought like some other types of humor and other like more heart and, and kind of stuff like that. And when Mel Brooks kind of went off on his own to do things, he just had the parody and he just had that to kind of lean on and maybe use it as a bit as a bit of a crutch. Uh, yeah. This is all just speculation, so take that with a grain of salt. But that's kind of what what it kind of looks like to me. Is well, I mean, I guess even was... before the producers, he also was doing stuff like Get Smarter, whatnot, which was inherently a parody. Yeah, obviously he loves parody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's very good at it. But like, uh, when when he doesn't, it's it seems to me at least when he doesn't have other like major collaborators, he leans too hard on the parody crutch. Uh, but that's that's what it seems like to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would agree too. Like, yeah, like like you said, he he leans really heavily on it because I feel like it, it's kind of like a, a scapegoat in a way, mm. where he's like he's he you know it's easy to write a joke like oh well let's name him yogurt let's mm-hmm. name him pizza the hut like it's easy to do those uh, black helmet man or yeah black yeah. helmet right dark, yeah dark helmet like yeah. it's easy to it's easy to to take those those things and just rearrange the joke right mm-hmm. it's hard much harder to spoof things and satire things than it well, is satire to parody things well parody uh kind of inherent it just kind of for lack of a better term empty emptily emptily makes fun of things emptily yeah yeah uh, yeah i understand <laughs> what uh, was it kind of just makes fun of things without anything satire uh, goes out of its way to parody but also directly challenge uh, what it is uh making fun of Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people conflate the two together. Like, uh, I think that's where the whole like, well, maybe it's satire thing comes from when people don't want to admit that something might be troubling that they've watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on that note, the last movie that he made, uh, last feature film uh, Mel Brooks was ever involved with, 
is uh, Dracula dead and loving it. And let's not talk about that one. And I've heard it was awful. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I've heard nothing but shit about it. I have seen it once. I don't remember it. And that's it. Leslie, uh, Liam, ne- uh, Leslie Nielsen or Jack taking. No way. Uh, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is in it and he plays Dracula. That's as much as I know. I think he was trying to take, he was trying to redo uh, young Frankenstein and just kind of mm. was mm. lazy about it. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So I know we brought it up already, but com- kind of coming back to like the Blazing Saddles thing that we were talking about. Um, how much of his work definitely like does hold up, and like why do some why do some things hold up rather than than others? You know, like what what is it about those specific movies? I think we already kind of touched on it. Was that the collaboration in a way kind of helps solidify it as a uh as a classic in a way because of the people that are attached to it. Are, are notable and uh, you know known figures in the comedic world, and as a result, they kind of help. Yeah, and, um, and like, Brooks, how, sorry, go on. Uh, Brooks wasn't a big enough star yet to just fully go off and do things on his own when he was making things like uh, gets uh, was it get smarter of a producers or um, Blazing Saddles and uh, Young Frankenstein. Like the only right. one he did completely by himself was the producers, but that was for very little money. Mm. And also, Luke, it was. What were you gonna say, sir? Uh, I don't remember. Keep going, Liam. <laughs> okay. And also, the producers was not a big hit when it came out. It didn't make a whole lot of money. It wasn't especially well regarded. Um, so I uh, was it. So for in order for Brooks to really get his foot in the door and really go out and do other things, he needed to collaborate with other people. And uh, just the whole idea of art thrives on limitations. And I think that when he uh, left that, when uh, he started to do his own things, I think he kind of lost that a little bit. When he became well known enough and well regarded after Blazing Saddles and uh, Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, sure. and, and like comedy inherently uh, ages a lot faster than pretty much any other genre, I think, because mm-hmm. like comedy totally. is so so dependent on like the culture, uh, on, on like the specific culture you're making the movie for. Um, there's there's obviously universally funny things like. Fart kids jokes. falling off bikes. Yeah, kids falling off bikes. <laughs> fart jokes and dick jokes, honestly, are are pretty mm-hmm. universal. There's fart jokes and dick jokes recorded from ancient Greece. <laughs> yeah. um, I think last week, last week when we were talking, or two weeks ago when I was talking about a, does anybody like at home know what a flatulist is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're an ancient, uh, like medieval job people had. They would fart on command. Yeah, and they be paid for it mm-hmm. fart jokes funny fart jokes will never not be <laughs> um, i was but like in general say, I... uh like comedy is so dependent on culture and so dependent on like people's specific tastes that like culture is so constantly shifting and changing that it's impossible not impossible it's very very difficult to make something uh funny now and also funny 50 years from now yeah, like that—that's yeah. not um, not impossible because Mel Brooks did it with Blazing Saddles, uh. Yeah. But like, like I mean, the Bible uh, pretty ancient. And that shit's super funny. <laughs> um, with uh, to add on to what you were uh saying, Lucas, I think that a lot of with um, I was it things like uh, why comedy is the quickest to age is because like every I was a a lot of people seem to realize, and I personally agree that the best forms of comedy. And the funniest parts always come from misery in some way, shape, or form, or like some kind of expense. I don't know. Like whether it be uh, not. I don't know. I don't know. Like where something, that. like where some, where it's just like, uh, was it where it's like something? It, I don't know how to explain it. Like 
because I also think misery is kind of an abstract type of a thing, but I'm saying when you direct that thing towards a specific group or whatnot, especially when the more times change and whatnot, that makes it pretty quick to age. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially in cultures that, that do value, uh, like, uh, protecting and helping minorities, uh, that kind of comedy is going to age very quickly, uh, in cultures where that is not a priority, uh, maybe less so. But in terms of comedy being based uh, on all comedy being based on misery, I don't think that's true. Not uh, all. Like a lot of people, I'm saying that a lot of people seem to think that a lot of the best okay. comedies come from some form of like expense or misery. I mean, definitely a it's lot something... of comedy does. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, Schadenfried, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of. I mean, yeah. a lot of our. I mean, I'm more so saying that a lot of a. Uh, like go back to most time frames or whatnot. Most of the mo pretty much all the most popular comedies are framed around something like that. Yeah, slapstick. And I. And I feel like now um, our culture is kind of starting to move away from that a little bit more and try to do become a little bit more experimental, which is kind of helping me, which is not helping the aging of things a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, like also... universal, like I, th I think like the misery based comedy is, pr is, is pretty universal in a lot of ways. Like fart farts are funny because they smell bad and they make people uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> and they make a funny noise. You know, I've <laughs> always wondered why they were funny, and you, you just, you just, Lu Lucas, that's gonna be the description for this episode. Right <laughs> why? I, I don't know why. Funny. I'm not. I don't know why dicks are funny, but because <laughs> they're fucking weird looking. They're man. very weird looking. And they every look like, penis looks different. Yeah. They look like deformed, wrinkly, veiny elephant trunks. Yeah, they're oh, they're like fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, rem I remember. Fingers. Uh, I remember um, mentioning something like that around uh, a friend of ours we went to uh, sate with. Uh, I won't mention his name just because uh, privacy reasons, I guess. But um, after the show, post show. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I said, "I'm like, who even who even likes to look at dicks?" And he's just like, "All of the gays." <laughs> <laughs> And he is gay, know. so he can say that. But <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's that's entirely true. <laughs> According to like, them, all, all the gays. I bet you there's at least one gay, one one um, homosexual male. I would assume <laughs> who probably does not appreciate penises. I'm know? sure, but like. Like I'll face it. I guess I guess dicks also make people uncomfortable, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, like I'm pretty sure somebody yeah. at home right now is probably like cringing. Yeah. <laughs> talk about dicks so let's even keep as, it going for another 20 minutes yeah okay I mean, even, <laughs> as christian, <laughs> even as christian is i was gonna say with the whole misery thing even if christian brought even with what christian brought up like kids falling off her bikes and whatnot yeah, fuck your kids huh? <laughs> um, but <laughs> like uh again like a lot of our a lot of a lot a lot of most mainstream comedy tends to depend on like some form of misery or whatnot or something yeah. uh being a little bit more like off color or taboo and I mean, like, you know, I do think you guys both know my humor pretty well. I think the listeners at home after 30, this is episode 39, isn't it? Damn. I think are we at, are we at 40? And so I don't care. Nice. Whatever. One of those two numbers. <laughs> um, uh, this is episode. I'm going to put it in plus there. <laughs> Um, I, I did. But, I did uh, that in the most re recent episode of TNG because they're like the, the name of the tavern. I had forgotten and didn't have a printout. Uh, oh, really? like <laughs> So so I cut out I cut out the part where I said I'll insert it here and was I was like the Hall of Heroes. <laughs> uh, um but yeah like I like I like off color jokes. Yeah. Like I 
I, I reserve certain ones for for the podcast because I feel like, you know, sometimes time or place, you know, mm-hmm. like I've, I've told some jokes in some inappropriate places and then regret them almost instantly. Yeah, as it's gotten me into trouble before. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, remember what Jurassic Park, that episode. <sighs> Very, very relevant. Because <laughs> a pretty <laughs> off-color joke that we all laughed at really hard. But I, it's, I, it's I still funny. think it was a funny comment. <laughs> um, funny. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, like, I, I kind of agree, Liam. It's, it's sometimes, I wouldn't, sometimes the best jokes are ones that are taboo because they're funny because they're taboo. And I think the taboo comes from me not understanding the, the taboo you know mm-hmm. like i don't understand i i understand that it's taboo but i don't understand the actual concept like it's like kink shaming and stuff like we i made a uh i made a short film or i wrote a short film when we were in in, in school uh that's about sock puppets right and it's 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 quite vulgar it's in and um you know some people would probably look deeper into it and see that maybe it's like a foot fetish kind of movie or something. And it's it going, you could, you could make the comparison that I hate foot fetishes cause it's gross. Fuck you. I'm kink shaming. Um, <laughs> but I think that's just cause I don't understand it. So that's where my joke comes from in the mm-hmm. same way that like Mel Brooks did with, you know, homosexuality and like making fun of that sort of thing. It's just cause he didn't understand it. And then I, I think mean, maybe as, as time goes on and you start to watch his films that maybe he's understanding things and maybe he was trying to be a little bit more safe. Um, Maybe not. Well, I mean, even well, I mean, the sad thing about our society is that we didn't really start to become more queer friendly until like uh, maybe like 10 years ago or so, because even before that, like uh, like throughout the 2000s or whatnot in the 90s, it was still pretty mean spirited. Yeah, Yeah. I also think we should tiptoe around this because I don't think we're Uh, the guys to talk about. um, But the last thing I was going to say is um, um, with the whole. uh, uh, was it there's one thing that's come up a lot in comedy uh, was it in the discussion around comedy uh as of late that um a lot of people have aimed at mel brooks for or whatnot which is um uh which is that um it's not funny because it is politically incorrect um and the people going off and saying like well what can you do like political correctness is uh ruining comedy or whatnot mm-hmm. like a lot of things like that and uh to cite uh, i watched an interview with uh the guy who created a uh, Bojack Horseman about it. And he was talking about how, when it comes, and I really respected him for saying this. He's like, no, it's not ruining comedy at all. If anything, it's uh, challenging you to be more creative and to think twice before just going for an easy pot shot. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that like, Todd Phillips argument, right? Yeah, Where he, like you can, Twitter, he said, he said, I can't write, do comedy anymore because somebody's going to get offended. It's like, Taika, T- Taika Waititi even said, ha ha. Like, yeah, I know. This coming, what is it? Like this coming from the guy that wrote the hangover. I, I can't I, remember what the joke I, I, was. I can't remember. I think it was just something like LOL or something like that. I can't remember what yeah, it was exactly. But I just I, mean, I just love that story. I've, we've talked about it before. But Todd Phillips like, I can't make comedy anymore. And then Taika Waititi makes a comedy about a boy who's imaginary. A, a boy in the Hitler youth whose imaginary friend is Hitler. And it wins an Oscar. And then wins an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. a lot of it. I think a lot of it in general just kind of comes down to just comes down to framing. Mm-hmm. And like the way you frame your humor or whatnot. Because I'm still very much of the opinion of. You can joke about anything. You just kind of got to make it work and you got to just be cautious about what you're doing. An example I could name is uh, in uh, was it is when Bo Burnham made a joke about uh, rape, but he framed it in a way where it's uh, was it where like, yeah, it's a no, no, no. he didn't. He didn't joke about rape. He made a joke about rape jokes. 
Yeah, he made a mm-hmm. joke. Uh, yeah, sorry, that's a better way of saying it. He made a joke about rape jokes, which uh, once yeah. you throw around, once you throw the term rape into a joke, it becomes very, um, it automatically becomes very, very taboo. But Bo was able to frame it in a way where he was still able to make, where he was able to make it very, very funny by pointing yeah. out that it's like, uh, by using his charisma and just pointing out the fact that it's like rape is shitty and you don't do it. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Daniel Sloss, his newest special called X. The entire third, last third, is him talking about one of his best, one of his friends being sexually assaulted, and like, what, obviously, really? wow. yeah, yeah. But it's it's framed from the perspective of of him learning how to do better and like be more like be part of the solution, not part of the problem. That is oh, yeah. the framing of it, and he does tell some pretty like harsh jokes, but they're but those jokes were made by the person who was sexually assaulted. <laughs> and, and i think you need, to, you need to watch this the the special to really like get the i'm the, probably not explaining it well enough but uh the entire special is about toxic toxic masculinity and how he's trying to be more like he's just trying to be better uh and that's that's the whole what the whole special is about and uh yeah. highly recommend it and he's he does he tells very controversial very dark jokes in a very I won't say tasteful, but <laughs> uh, uh, more more or less non-offensive way. <laughs> yeah, a little better than uh, someone like Chris D'Elia or Rob Delaney, who are just like, mm-hmm. I'm going to say stuff just to piss you off. Like, I mean, shut up. <laughs> I guess uh, the best place to, uh, I was it, to wrap all of us up, given we've just kind of deconstructed comedy in the way it breaks down <laughs> in ages, which is... Uh, where where do we where does Mel Brooks land in regards to this and what should what do we what are our attitudes towards him in retrospect and uh, what is it or as and how does that compare to uh, what the culture seems to think? Uh, I think that he kind he's kind of almost on every point of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> like Blazing Saddles listen- mostly holds up. Robin Hood Men in Tights and Spaceballs does not. <laughs> yeah. Pretty but, much, and 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 everywhere else in between too, because yeah. things, thing, jokes in Blazing Saddles. Let's face it, do not, don't hold up. There, yeah, Mo- there are definitely not, jokes in there that don't hold up. I'd say eighty percent of that movie probably mm-hmm. holds up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there are definitely moments in there that are way too w- cross the line. They definitely cross the line, but it was a line. I can see why they're crossing it, you know. But then you come up to um. Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is here's the line, and you're like off screen, like yeah, yeah. You, that is you also have, you have ran of, a football field away from that yeah. line, you know. That is, it is and, also kind of a retrospective line too. Like the culture at the time didn't care nearly as much, and there's true. obviously some sections of the culture that did. There was like gay people didn't just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> like they were around yeah, in the eighties. Being 80s gay too. is not like a, a millennial thing. So yeah, I'm bad, sorry, ever, sorry, boomer. Time, if you were and if you were a part of the uh, LGBTQ plus community, you had to keep pretty quiet about it at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there all, all or otherwise it was just going to mean a lot of problems for you and uh, people you're associated with. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I agree with Lucas. I. I Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks's work definitely exists on 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 a spec the the spectrum of comedy in terms of just like how how long is it like a wine? So like so, like some wines will definitely age very very well. Other ones will not. And, well, well, and those cheaply made piss poor wines are usually the ones that don't age well. <laughs> but the wines that are really well made, like Blazing Saddles, 
will last a really long time and, and but, you're going to want to drink it over and over again. I mean, even if it does, even if everything does have an expiry date or a thing where it just isn't uh, where it isn't good anymore, you can always enjoy it for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will also always say that um, I was it as much as I have a love hate relationship with Mel Brooks. He is a, a, a was it? He did do a lot for the com uh, for comedy and film as well as he's the re kind of a reason why we have parody the way we do today. Yeah, so, I mean, sure. there's always going to be some shred of respect there. And I really thought Liam was teeing himself up for his own joke. I really thought you were going to go there again, Liam. I thought you were going to be like, and he's also a really nice person. <laughs> Just like I said it already, go back to that episode. We're not repeating it here. Um, but, yeah, that's been our uh, our dissertation. Our, uh, our... <laughs> Is that the right word, dissertation? I don't, I don't think so. That's That's an academic thing. Yeah, this is academic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little bit more inappropriate language. Um, I wish I wish school was like this. I wish I could talk like this when I was yeah. in school. I guess in state I could have, and yeah. I did quite often. Um, anyway, uh, that's 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 it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a joke with no punchline. Do you guys want yeah. you guys want to go to break? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Sending ourselves off to the break zone. seen shoe nice before you know who shoe nice is oh. he's a guy on youtube who eats stuff but not like food like glue and down big bottles of liquor and he's he's fucking crazy <laughs> so, shoe nice if you're watching this i never want you on this show do not talk to me i don't want you here all right take that shoe nice eat shit um he probably would too And we're back, and welcome to another special edition of Cool Wars. Cool. <laughs> we're leaving it. We're leaving it. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting God, episode I've, I've of Cool Wars. I've never felt like I've never felt like more of a nerd, and I have felt like a nerd a lot in my life. Yeah, Lucas, you're in <laughs> six D and D games. <laughs> Look at my fucking background. Yeah. I, I literally I, one of my one of my D and D games we played twice in one week, and uh, my character was a was a was an inspector, and I was doing a a, a Benoit Blanc accent, and I was doing that for such a long time that occasionally I just slip into it now and then. <laughs> I believe it. It's like how we were having this uh, party one time that was a murder mystery, and uh, John Tasker, friend of the show, was playing the detective, every inspector, and he couldn't help of the whole time talk like Benoit Blanc the entire time. <laughs> John Tasker, friend of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cool Wars. Um, I guess saying it's an episode of Cool Wars makes it sound like it's an, entire, it's an entirely different podcast, but it's not. It's roped into the Thundercast. So um, Cool Wars is a game that we like to play where we are trying to come up with who is the coolest character in all of uh, media, uh, and uh, not media, just pop culture pop culture characters uh, by uh, by a list that's entirely arbitrary and made by us uh the rules of cool wars is is the is it's based off of um that any and all definitions of the word cool uh, i will let you do that at home i'm not going to get into it this time um today's episode or today's battle i should say oh yeah that's the that's the other main rule they're not physically fighting it's just how cool they are okay mm -hmm. liam who who's uh who's who are the challengers today Oh, you're in for a tw uh, for a treat today because this time we've got Gandalf versus 
Lisbeth Salander from The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I know, it's yeah. quite the odd comparison. Yes. Anyway, uh, we all know the rules. I'm about to get the timer going. Oh, thanks for uh, doing that. I almost forgot about the timer. Yep. So, And 10 minutes Perfect. on the clock, starting now. Uh, Gandalf. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, isn't saying just Gandalf just it is, it way is too easy? It is the easier answer. Yeah. So um, Elizabeth Slander, uh, Elizabeth Salander, uh, I have, it's been a while since I saw the American version of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but I did watch uh, the Norwegian or Swedish version or whatever country it's from. Swedish. Swedish uh, version of it a while back. And she's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's I've tough read as nails. Both, yeah, no, yeah. I've read the books and I've seen both versions. Have you uh, read the books, point, Lucas? The, um, I have not read the books, uh, but I'm pretty sure at one point, doesn't she shove a dildo up a guy's ass and then kick yeah, it? Yeah, she. Uh, she yeah, sure the does. guy who uh, does uh, was a uh, was it does something unbelievably despicable to her. She uh, yeah. the way she gets back at him is. Uh, I mean, I remember as a kid, I was like, "This is horrifying," but also like, "Fuck yeah!" Uh, trigger yeah. warning, but uh, <laughs> sexual assault. But she definitely does tattoo on his chest. Uh, I'm a rapist pig. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I believe so. In or the something novel, along she also. Lines. She also grew up with an abusive father and lit him on fire. Yep. <laughs> so violence um, is not necessarily cool, but revenge... See, even then, revenge is not necessarily the coolest either. I, no, like, revenge in real life is a very, very bad thing to do. Uh, it's, it's, it's very uh, toxic, and it can, it can ruin uh, the person that you uh, are. Lucas has uh, written several also... scripts about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it could also destroy you. Uh, was if you go out and commit an act of revenge, it could destroy you as a human being to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, exactly. Like, like the old proverb: uh, when you embark on a quest for revenge, dig two graves. Uh, but yeah, I like that's it's my it was one of my favorite, I mean, my favorite proverbs. I think I think part of why I always uh, was it part of why I found I growing up I found uh, Elizabeth Salander really cool is because like it was in a time where like uh, women in movies were mainly like. Uh, like either being fridged or like uh, just overly sexualized or whatnot. Have we? Like we we've talked like... about fridging before, right? I think we did on the last episode. Uh, maybe. For, for those sure. of you at home that don't know what fridging is, it's essentially when they victimize a woman so that a male character can uh, kind of go on his own go, journey. Go on his journey, essentially, yeah. to, to save I've, her. I've, That's... I've, I've, I've written. I've written scripts where uh, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, like De- Deadpool 2 is a great example of fridging. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. also Super Mario Brothers is is literally fridging the video game. Well, I mean, even uh, the ter- I mean, the term fridging comes from a uh, the term was co- coined by a uh, uh, comic book writer Gail Simone when she became uh, very frustrated after um, uh, in one comic, uh, Green Lantern uh, Kyle Rayner came home to uh, find his uh, live- love interest who uh, he had met like maybe two issues before dead and stuffed into a fridge. All right. Wasting time. That's yeah, that's yeah. we are wasting time on the clock. <laughs> but like while um, while vengeance and violence are not necessarily cool and can be like very harmful in real life in fiction, it can be, especially when dealing with the subject that, that those movies and that story deals with can be extremely cathartic. Oh boy. I mean, <laughs> especially yeah. when books were written because of a writer, Steve, uh, Larson, uh, he uh, wrote the books because um, when he was a young man, he witnessed a girl, uh, uh, trigger warning, being uh, gang raped in an alley, and he didn't do anything about it. And it haunted him for the rest of his life. So he wrote a series of books uh, 
uh, was it where the main character Elizabeth was named after the woman where uh, uh, was it that uh, where it happened to that it happened to, and he decided to write it in a way for um, as kind of like a uh, catharsis or uh, uh, was it kind of revenge fantasy, but also in its own uh, yeah, its far, own medium type. Of thing. As far as I know, the the books are like that's kind of like what sets up Elizabeth, but the rest of the 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 movie or the movies the the Swedish ones and the the books aren't they're more like true crime like she's like a detective right where does she yeah, just a like, lot of like a crime thriller but she it, yeah, does I'll... she just just deal with sexual crimes or is it a little bit it's uh, more of a no, murder she, mystery right she gets roped into uh the first story because um she was hired to uh investigate the person the company was hiring to look at a case and uh then he ends up uh figuring out that she spied on him and they team up together right yes okay um yeah so and... Go ahead, Lucas. I was going to say, uh, I, I think I've said everything I need to say about Elizabeth Salander. Does anyone else have anything they want to mention? Not particularly. Um, I, I think we've, we've kind of summed her up. She, I mean, I mean like, you, like you said, Lucas, I think some of the coolest parts about her is that is that she, and, and a lot of the characters we've we've talked about in the past, is, is the catharsis that it offers you. You know, that's what makes mm-hmm. them so cool is that you can kind of impose yourself on some of their beliefs and then just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, imagine yourself in, the, in that role. Gandalf, not so much. Uh, Gand- <laughs> Gandalf I'm- is 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 a, a, a nearly immortal creature uh, who's been around for thousands of years, uh, and and yells things coolly. He sure does. <laughs> and and I, I, think- I, I think we're are we basing this more so off of um, feature film Gandalf? I am. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think that for our audience and our sake, we might as well just go off of the films for this one. Yeah, because sadly, yeah. not enough people read in our society. Out. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's funny. I, 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 read well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, in in their defense, Lord of the Rings is a hard read. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> At I mean, least it so, was for I me. Mean, for me, it was such a. I forced myself to read those books. I mean, I guess Girl with <laughs> the Dragon Tattoo is also a bit of a uh, tedious read. Yeah. yeah um, nice I mean, part of why I found uh again uh, Elizabeth cool is because like growing up with uh admiration for like uh like punk rock and uh, just kind of that community and that idea. It was really cool to have like a protagonist uh, really cement themselves in that uh, mm-hmm. visually and yeah. attitude wise. Yeah, she's she's like the punk rock aesthetic going on. Yeah, and just like even in her attitude and like uh, just standing up, not taking any shit, like being your own person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, Gandalf though. Um, yeah, Sorry. Gandalf. Gandalf yells things that shouldn't be cool, but he makes them cool. Yeah. Where he's he's standing that on that bridge talking about the flames of Udun and stuff like that. Like, what a nerd, a of, hey? Yeah, those are a bunch of dumb words, but he makes them sound cool. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, back to the shadows. Yeah, <laughs> for a guy who who is nearly immortal, um, mm-hmm. and yet still every single time that he reincarnates, he he gets fucking cooler. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I don't know what it I is. Actually, I actually think Gandalf the Gray is cooler than Gandalf the White. Personally, I mean, oh yeah, really? I've yeah. always, yeah. I've always, I mean, when I was a young kid, I always uh, had trouble differentiating him from Sarah. Were from Saruman when he became Gandalf the White. Yeah, I've always preferred that. the aesthetic, and uh, I was it of Gandalf the Grey because when he comes back as Gandalf the White, it's kind of just like warrior or whatnot. Well, uh, yeah, he's, in, he's, he's very he's Grey, very like stoic and like serious, whereas Gandalf the Grey is kind of goofy. Yeah, and he's like, almost yeah, he's I, kind I, of a father figure in a lot of ways. I would mm-hmm. say Gandalf the Grey is more lived in, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So he's he, he's very much he's he's lived in this world. Whereas Gandalf the White kind of feels like he's new to the world. Yeah. 
Um, uh, unrelated, but I forgot Frodo was in The Hobbit. Um, sorry, <laughs> I, I forgot he's in that film. I forgot Elijah Wood shows up in that movie. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, Gandalf, like, because he's so willing to to sacrifice so much to save so many. You know, mm-hmm. he's so willing to 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 stop. You know, Saruman and to stop. Um, uh, Mordor so, and Mor- uh, yeah, Mordor, all that stuff. Well, save Mordor, isn't it? I'm very no, Mordor is the land of uh, Sauron. Right. Yeah. So he's trying to be like, fuck that, <laughs> end this shit. <laughs> but I mean, some some downfalls with Gandalf. Uh, he, so many opportunities to help, but just kind of is like, now let the hobbits do it. <laughs> I think for me with Gandalf, as cool as I think he is for, as we've said, like catharsis and like just being like emerging into that epic fantasy fantasy he's not very human which i think is a bit of a weakness like he doesn't really have a lot of that human element to him where like that's all fine and good and whatnot especially for the lord of the rings but like um how was it but like uh when it comes to making a complex uh, a complex character that's a little bit it's a little bit more dicey to pull that off are there more than two versions of gandalf that we're aware of um the books, there's at least? There, there's the uh, one from the bakshi cartoon um, no, sorry. Know. I meant like you know how Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, We're in, down in, in the movies. Uh, no, there's just white and gray. Um, mm. But I think there, and, and like the Cimmerillion, his original version is not like Gandalf the Grey. He's he has this weird celestial sounding name. Yeah, because you know, I know Ra- uh, Radagast. It's Radagast the Brown, isn't it? Yeah, and there's somebody the Blue whose uh, name escapes me because wizards are all ranked by. Uh, are all ranked by color in or by colors in uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, universe. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because um, Sauron becomes Sauron was Sauron the White, but the he became Sauron the Many Colored. Oh, okay. Uh, which is in the book, not the movie. Yeah, they didn't really do um, that. Anyway, movie. twenty seconds on the clock. Any final oh, words? Yeah. Uh, no. I think I know what I want to say. Fly, you fools! Fly, I mean, you I, fools! <laughs> in, I've got mine. You know, Lucas, I was real close to flipping, but you, 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 yeah. Right. Five, four, three, two, one. Lisbeth. Gandalf. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Uh, Copyright, copyright. Stop. You both said Lisbeth, hey? Yeah. Oh. I like how I flipped you back and betrayed you. You did flip me back and then you betrayed me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Gandalf just does it for me. I, I, I love Gandalf, but but like in at least in the moments right before I like when you said when you said I kind of flipped you. I'm like, oh no, because I think I think I'm gonna say Elizabeth. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I feel like somebody's gonna think I'm sexist now. <laughs> don't worry, I, I had that first one when I said driver over uh over Juno. Juno, yeah, that's true. So I was the sexist one first. So okay, <laughs> Lucas admitted it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, wow, Elizabeth. Eh? Yeah. That's the first time. But that's the first time in a long time that we've disagreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, mm. yeah. I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> sad. Wait. Mostly. I don't feel sad. Gandalf's fucking cool. So is Elizabeth. Yeah. This this was a tough one. This one was difficult. Yeah, well, there's, there's such, so a peculiar, yeah. such a peculiar, such a peculiar matchup, but it. Yeah. <laughs> Because like the, some of the, some of the other ones uh, that we've done are pretty obvious matchups, yeah. Uh, you know, and Driver are not, but uh, neither of these two. Liam, but, do you like, happen to know what our next round is? 
So we can... uh, yes, our next round is going to be Indiana Jones versus Lou Bloom from Nightcrawler. Yes. It's <laughs> a good one. Prep yourselves for that one, everybody at home, and uh, give us uh, give us some hints and send us a message on social media. On that note, Lucas, I... you want to take us away? Yeah. Sure. Uh, I just want to say that that is going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> uh, if you liked what you heard, uh, follow us on social media. We are Thunder Lizard Collective on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, we are Thunder Lizard OG on Twitter. Follow us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else uh, you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, tell your friends. Share share this with your family. Force it upon your loved ones. Um, uh, we have un- we have uh, some other shows. We have Expose Yourself. Christian, do you want to talk about Expose Yourself? I, t- I talk to people, and they tell me stories sometimes. Then uh, the next episode, uh, actually an episode came out today, which so Ooh. this episode that you're he- listening to and watching right now comes out on Friday. Today is Friday. <laughs> um, but uh, the, when we were recording this, it came out on Monday. And on that one, I talk with uh, a pal of mine named Ben, uh, just Ben. I will not say his last name. He he, he decided not to. And actually, my second, my next, my third guest, fourth guest, I suppose, also chose to remain anonymous. And that story is about a uh, about fucking dead raccoons. So that's a good story. That, oh, so stick with it. Wow. Stick with the show. Everybody. All right. Um, Another Lucas show we have. And I are all, sorry, hmm? Lucas and I oh. are also in rough development of uh, one show that maybe one day we'll get off the ground. But maybe. we really should change the name. <laughs> Anyhow, Lucas, yeah. your show. <laughs> I think there's a Daria reference right there. Yes. Uh, we were, we were talking. We uh, we also have a show called Thunder and Dragons, where uh, I am the Thundermaster, and uh, these two, as well as our friend Dan, are our players. Uh, they they are gods, and they're going they're going on a bunch of adventures. That's right. Like, so that like Bilbo. So just so everybody knows, uh, uh, you can find Expose Yourself, uh, Thunder and Dragons, and the Thundercast by following us on the social media. So make sure you, I know Lucas already pitched those, threw those out there, but um. Uh, Expose Yourself is every second Monday, and uh, uh, Thundercast is every Friday or every second Friday, and then the alternate Fridays is, is Thunder and Dragons. So that's our social schedule. So make sure you stick with us. Anyway, right on. I think is, that was. I think that was everything. Yeah, that did one. No, you did a great job. We f- we Perfect. fucked with you a little bit, so really <laughs> threw you off off guard, and I apologize for that. Liam, say sorry okay. to Lucas. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry oh, to no, everybody. Don't do that. Yeah, I'm really sorry to everybody at home that had to see and hear that. Um, this has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. See ya. And we are back. Welcome back to the Thundercast, everybody. Sorry, now Lucas. Can you, can you do it one more time? Because your face froze, but it froze like this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go one more That's time. That's perfect.